Awesome, awesome. Good, Jake. Are we rolling? Okay, very good. Well, welcome, Dr. Gideon Ayar, to Trials with a Z. And I think you go by Dr. G. Is that right? Can I call you Dr. G? You nailed it, Scott. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming out. We're excited to talk. I know you are the Chief Medical Officer at Salesforce. Um, and I want to talk a little bit more about how you um, got interested in healthcare. Tell us a little bit more about your background and, and how you got started. Sure. Well, you know, mom is a doc. Oh, wow. Dad is a doc. Oh, my. South Asian family. This sounds like Dr. Kim's story, except I love science. I love everything about science. I'm a total science nerd, and I always loved everything about anatomy, physiology. I always was fascinated by the human body just as a child. I know it sounds really silly, but, you know, you'd get a cut, and it would just heal, right? And if I, like, cut up something, you know, my pillow, arts and crafts, it's, like, destroyed forever. There was no healing process. There was just tape and glue, and it was obvious obviously deformed. And I love people. I'm a people person. So there was no PhD in my horizon. And so medicine was really my first passion, my first choice and teaching. Wow. Which I think when you're a good doc, you're actually teaching and empowering your patients. So it was really just love at first sight, went to medical school, got into medical school when I was 17 and um, never looked back, never looked back. Awesome, awesome. In fact, we were talking, we were talking to Dr. Julian on the first show, we were talking about Bedside Manor, and we were talking about that television show, Grey's Anatomy. Have you seen this show, Grey's Anatomy? Do you, have a, do you have a favorite doctor from Grey's Anatomy? Well, I mean, you know, the main character, right? I mean, Dr. McDreamy is sort of dreamy, <laughs> so I'll just put that out there. Apologies to my husband, right? <laughs> but he knows, he knows. Um, look, you know, I have to say my, my favorite medical show, which is probably more realistic, is actually Scrubs. Oh, Scrubs. I loved Scrubs. Really? I watched all of it. Yeah, it was good because it was a comedy, but then certain episodes would make you cry, like, out of nowhere. It it really... There, yeah, it was uh, it was definitely a really good show. I don't think a lot of people remember it. Oh, come on, we're not that old. We're not that old. What it was about Scrubs is it also showed the fear on on behalf of the medical staff, right? We learned a lot of this during COVID, just the right. the burnout, the sacrifice, and also just the fear. Like I remember the first time I was called Doctor Nayer on the wards, and it was like very much an episode from Scrubs, right? And I was like, oh my god, somebody paged my dad. I must be in trouble. Like, they're calling Dr. Day. I'm like, my dad is here. Then I'm like, wait a second. They're talking about me. <laughs> oh, oh, I get it. I get it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, so tell us a little bit about that, your career after medical school. How did you, what, where did you first start practicing? And, and um, you know, on the, on the, the Gray's Anatomy uh, uh, kind of tangent, um, tell us about maybe the, the internship. How, did, how, how does that all work? Sure. So again, I was on a fast track to medical school, got into medical school when I was 17, did one of these accelerated medical programs. So went straight from undergrad to college, sorry, went from undergrad to medical school. And then I did my training in internal medicine at George Washington University and stayed for my uh, fellowship in rheumatology. And I think I went into internal medicine because I'm a very relationship person. I, I really enjoyed primary care. You got to really see the patients cradle to grave is how we describe it, right? I went into rheumatology because I really enjoyed the satisfaction of being a specialist right. and sort of owning a specific lane while also still understanding general internal medicine. And then just have a personal family story as well of an autoimmune disease in our family, really, really rare, misdiagnosed for a very long time. 
And then when I became a rheumatologist, that actually diagnosed it correctly, and it just led to a whole different path. So when we talk about clinical trials, this is near and dear to my heart as a room doc because so much of so many of our diseases are rare, and we can't get patients in those trials, and it directly affects diagnosis and treatment because we just don't have enough good data. Wow! Wow! So so the the uh, the so the family member. Um, with the rare disease, you actually you actually were the one that diagnosed it. I actually did, and it's oh a goodness. it's a really interesting story. And actually, part of why I ended up in health tech, like everything in life is happenstance, right? Is you know so many of her medical records were all over the place. So there's a pulmonologist over here, a cardiologist over here, an endocrinologist, and I really still remember taking a day at home and just putting it all on the floor, on the big floor. And I was like, okay. And I took the whole record and I put it out, and then I connected this date with that date, and this, you know, kind of sequentially put it all together. And then I had my house moment where I was like, oh my gosh, I know what this is. And it was well, like, oh, house. Another I forgot about house. Yeah, oh my goodness. Every rheumatologist loves house because everything's lupus, right? <laughs> right. Oh lupus. yeah, yeah. That's the, the house meme. <laughs> everything's lupus. That's exactly. right. And so literally. One di- you know, one line in this huge medical, you know, medical school textbook, and I was like, I think that's what this is, and it's, you know, it's a zebra. To rheumatologists, we see zebras and unicorns, and other docs see, you know, lions and bears and tigers, and we lead with the unicorns. And um, and everyone thought I was nuts. I, you know, went to all her doctors. I said, I want this biopsy. I want the, and they were like, We know you're a rheumatologist, but we're not doing this. And I remember having this conversation with a much more senior physician. I was like in my twenties at this point, and saying. This is my mother. I need you to do this. If it was your mother, I know you would. Right. Right? Like, and if I'm wrong, let me be wrong. Right. Like, let's do the test. I'm okay to be wrong, but I need an answer, you know? Wow. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. So we, uh, speaking of rare diseases at Clean Capture, we actually have a program. We, we found that there were so many trials for rare diseases that didn't have funding. Um, so, so in some cases... Um, we just started started giving them the software for free um, oh, because they wonderful. just yeah they just couldn't reach critical mass but but um, yeah definitely if you if you know of any um, ongoing studies let us know after the show we can uh, we can uh, tell you about the program. But, Thank um, you. I will take you up on that. I appreciate awesome, that. Awesome. So so okay so so sounds like. Um, uh, uh, undergrad, uh, medical school. I think you said you got an MBA concurrent with, with medical school. Is that I right? I did. I did. So again, I'm a passionate doc in case you can't tell. <laughs> yeah. And my first fight with administrators and, and payers and lawyers was not just for this, you know, family member, but for so many patients where, uh, you know, I felt like we were just not making the right decisions because, you know, you couldn't keep someone in the hospital that long. There wasn't enough data to indicate an admission or discharge, whatever it might be. And so I realized, I said, you know, I need to go to business school so that I can understand the language of business. Right. Because clearly the people in charge of healthcare are not practicing medicine. Right, it's, right. It's everyone else, right? The politicians, the lawyers, the payers, et cetera, the hospital administrators. So I really did it because I felt like I could make a better impact if I understood both the front lines of care along with the business and how you run a hospital and, and how you understand those things. And so... Um, it was, but it was not that I was like, oh, I got, I want to go work for the phone company or I want right, to go right. work for a tech giant like Salesforce. That was never right. the intention, right? The intention was, I'm just going to be a better doctor that, that gets it. Got it. Got it. And so after, so, so now you've got your, you've got your degree, you're practicing medicine. Um, did you start a, a private practice? Did you work in a hospital? What was your, what was your next step? So I was still at George Washington, and when I was at George Washington, we, my generation of physicians is in that generation that went and learned how to be doctors as well as learned how to use digital technology. So the EHR 
but we went from paper to digital in my time of training. And as we were doing that, just a light went off for me. And I was like, man, this thing is the future. It's going to help us like collect data. It's going to help us, of course, bill. It's going to help us predict and be able to analyze stuff, communicate, whether we're in the hospital or out. And I remember just going across the administrative hall to like the CIO. And I, and I just knocked on his door and said, hey, I'm Dr. G. I know you don't know me, but I think I know what you're trying to do with this piece of technology. Here's the thing. All the doctors hate it. All the patients hate it. Nobody looks anybody in the eye anymore. I think I could help you because I think I know what you're trying to do, but you're just kind of doing it backwards. Like you're just throwing this technology at people, but you got to understand the workflow. You got to understand what we're trying to accomplish, how we think about things when we're seeing a patient. And he really started my career in health tech. And he just said, Dr. G, come on in. Oh, nice. Wow. <laughs> and that was the beginning of my health tech career. So I really started at GW and I continued to practice and work with the CIO and Allscripts was our EHR. We were like the first uh, site for Allscripts was oh, GW. Cool. Wow. And I started to help, uh, you know, working on the implementation, developing templates, protocols. And somewhere, somehow, I got recruited into the health tech space, uh, became the chief medical officer for AT&T at the time that was launching a healthcare business, a focus on digital health way before its time. Right, before right. Before the pandemic, it was all about telemedicine, remote patient monitoring, everything you would expect from a telco. Right, right, right. Um, that you wish you had now. Um, but it was just, it's been an amazing journey. And I just always kind of held on to practice very part-time and do now at University of Miami. And oh, you're, you're practicing? You're, you're seeing patients now? Oh, nice. I'm still a rheumatologist, still practicing. I love it. My retirement plan is to oh, wow, re great. retire in Key West, see patients for coconuts. <laughs> nice. You're welcome Very to come. Nice. You're welcome oh, to come. I, I, okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll stock up on uh, 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 Jacob. Stock, start, start stocking up on coconuts here, <laughs> because I, I'm sure I'm sure I'll need a few to uh, to trade in. Awesome. We can do awesome. clinical trial enrollment in Key West. That's uh, what we should do. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. That's a very very cool idea. Uh, so um, so 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 at AT and T, you, you focus on telemedicine. Um, is, that, is that correct? Focus was basically around everything outside of the hospital. So it's a remote patient monitoring, everything okay. you see now being invested. This Got is it. about a decade ago, it was ahead of its time, but remote patient monitoring, telemedicine, virtual care, texting, communication, engagement, right? But very, very early, AT&T ended up pulling out of the space, just too, too regulated, right? And, right? and it was too early. At the time, it probably was too early, frankly. And I always thought, not, not to... Not to be um, cynical, but I actually asked uh, another guest, uh, Dr. Julian, about this too, what his thoughts were. I always thought that one of the, the, the kind of uh, uh, inhibitors of the adoption of telemedicine um, was, um, you know, the, not just the, the regulations, but the way that the building codes work. That's what we saw happening during COVID, right? They, we started, you know, we basically regula regulations and policies allowed for physicians to be compensated equally for in-person or virtually. Okay. And so adoption went up, and of course, liability protection, licensure laws became open. So it's absolutely what was holding, one of the things that was holding things back. Was Got it, back. okay. Okay, that makes sense because a lot of, I often say a lot of the technology that was adopted during the pandemic, you know, existed before the pandemic. Like absolutely. you said, you were working on it 10, 10, 10 years ago absolutely. and that just facilitated the, the, the adoption. In that case, maybe kind of forced something that, um, that maybe should have been done, should have been done all along or, 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 or you're right. hundred percent. I think everyone in healthcare feels that way. I think the other thing that changed was we now have the perfect storm, right, of that the regulators, policymakers saying we need this because doctors are burnt out, nurses are burnt out. There's, there's shortages, there's burnout, right? 
We have the payers that are obviously enabling that. And we have consumers that are just used to this now, right? We have consumers that are like, why can't I text my doctor? Why can't I, you know, check in just like I do my airline visit? Why do I have to go in the office and be handed that same clipboard where you misspell my name? and can't remember my date of birth correctly, right? So. Yeah, exactly. And that's what we're doing. At, at ClinCapture, we have our virtual data capture product, um, which is um, e-consent and uh, uh, electronic patient diaries and, and so forth. So, so, so the trials can be um, run remotely um, as, as well. So, so, so interestingly, the next, um, uh, the next step was to Salesforce. Is that right? Is that well, after you know, there AT&T? Were, there were, I've, I've been around the, the ecosystem. So I've done this rodeo on the provider side. I've done it on the EHR side for Greenway Health most immediately before coming to Salesforce. Oh, got it, got it, got it. And wh- when did you start at Salesforce? I started at Salesforce about two years ago. Oh, two years, okay. Like March 2020. Like, oh, yeah. right aligned with the beginning of it all. That's <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's a, <laughs> quite a time. That's to right start about a new the time job. I left San Francisco. So I lived in San Francisco for, um, for uh, 20 years. Wow. I moved to Las Vegas in, in 2020. And so Salesforce is like a, like a fixture, right, in, uh, Las, in, uh, in San Francisco, rather. How's, that, how's the structure work? There? So I, I rep- I'm in market strategy. So oh, working across cool, the company, cool. supporting, again, everything as it relates to health and safety for our employees, as well as helping to support just our, our corporate brand, our, our corporate positioning in healthcare. We have a healthcare business. And so everything healthcare as it relates to Salesforce is, is the conversation that I'm having. Oh, wow. So you're not, not only are you handling um, uh, uh, areas related to the product, but you're actually involved in internal health and, and, and yes. safety programs as well. Yes. Oh, interesting. Tell me a little bit more about that. How, sure. how does that work? So, so, you know, I would say that my role evolved in the pandemic as companies evolved during the pandemic and we look to pivot and we look to innovate and also to, to lead through the pandemic. So I was initially brought in to support the healthcare business. But very quickly, you know, head of HR was like, that Dr. G person, we need her over here. And so, and it's basically, we, ha- we haven't looked back, right? Because health and safety, healthcare in general remains a priority for Salesforce. And we are looking to innovate and continue to lead in the space. And we did it throughout the whole pandemic. And we're really proud of it. And now it's the next piece, which is, you know, healthcare is the issue of the decade. So what do big companies like us do about about it, both for our own employees as well as for our customers right. and, and for the the healthcare industry, right? As we think about digital transformation and the challenges that payers, providers, life science companies still are facing. Got it, got it. And are there any plans for the product that um, that aren't top secret that you can discuss uh, <laughs> discuss with us here on Trials tonight? Well, look, we say that Salesforce Health is it's our customer 360. It's our our, our view essentially, and the idea is that we are powering the business of health. So whether it is the patient, the member for a payer, whoever it is that you need to be at the center of that, our platform can do that, right? And integrate all the different pieces of your business so that you get a full 360 view of whatever that might be, marketing, sales, IT, clinical. The idea is that we're giving you one lens in which to be able to to power your business. And powering the business of healthcare is complicated. So we're, you know, really excited to be a part of digital transformation in health. And we've been doing it for over 20 years, and we plan to go way, way above and beyond it, and and make our mark. Very nice, very nice. Now, Amanda, you're a you're a power user of Salesforce. Sure you're am. in Salesforce every Yay. day. Yay! So, Thank you, Amanda. <laughs> so, what uh, what are some um? I might have to give you. You know, I brought you a hat and shirt. Oh, by the way. Oh, nice. Let me see. So let me I see. Brought oh, you some Salesforce swag. Very I wish I nice. had a. I wish I had a. Uh, 
beanie now in retrospect. <laughs> but maybe I'll have to give one to Amanda. Maybe you're going to have to fight for it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. We'll, we'll, we'll fight like two caged tigers. <laughs> so very, very good. So My bet's on Amanda. <laughs> so I, every, all, uh, the odds are so so anybody that bets on me is going to win a fortune because the odds are probably 20 to 1. 20 to 1 against me. But uh, Amanda, working in clinical trials, uh-huh. uh, working in Salesforce, uh-huh. um, any, any ideas on, on this uh, uh, transformative uh, process? Um, I mean, Salesforce, the way that it is, is meant to kind of serve, you know, every industry. It's built to be something that's easy to use, but also extremely customizable, which is a phrase that I'm used to saying all the time on sales calls for our product, Captivate. Uh, the, you know, ease of use and customizability don't usually go hand in hand with software, or it's a very difficult thing to accomplish. Um, you know, so I can plug Captivate all day, but really I think Salesforce is probably the number one example of, you know, or, or one of the best examples of a software that actually is both of those things. It is extremely customizable. So with the healthcare industry is, you know, we're very familiar with in clinical trials specifically, software has to be extremely customizable. Every single one of these trials are completely different and distinct. They need different workflows, they need different customizations, but it also at the end of the day has to be easy to use software. That's what people expect. And so I think, you know, there are definitely parts of Clin Capture that we've modeled after Salesforce. Um, wow, you know, just what a great in, compliment. Oh yeah, and as, as Scott mentioned, a day-to-day user of Salesforce is where all of my sales team's data lives. You know, it is nice to see uh, a company of this size kind of caring about this industry and, you know, trying to, um, I guess, better the health of, like you said, your internal employees and your customers. You got it. Wow, Amanda's hired. Amanda's <laughs> talk. I need your number. Amanda's hired. <laughs> this is this is actually a, a trials with a Z, a.k.a. recruiting for Amanda McQueen. So, uh, but that interesting point about customization, um, going back to EHR, I think that was one of the, uh, 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 the, the, the big challenges in adoption of EHR, correct me if I'm wrong, every hospital sort of implementing a different version. Um, and it's, it's kind of hard. We find that with the clinical trial sites, right? The pharma companies, it's very easy to get everybody on the same page. And then they have the contract research organizations. When you get to the site level, folks kind of have ideas about how they want to how they want to implement things. And, and is that is that true for EHR as well? A lot of the differences between how hospitals run operations and it was difficult to kind of get that that um, integration from from one hospital to another, even on the same software application. You know, you, you nailed it, right? The, the reality is that the EHR sort of revolution happened long before today's healthcare ecosystem. So a lot of these legacy systems are just not built for the healthcare of today, right? right? Where we have come, where, where COVID has accelerated so much of digital transformation, the EHRs are, are barely hanging on to being EHRs, right? Because every doctor out there, every nurse out there, they won't give a glowing recommendation like Amanda said, right? They'll say, I've got a workaround, Dr. G. Let me give you the workaround. When your technology is built and the end user has to come up with a workaround for everything they're actually trying to do, you have a problem, right? Yeah, workaround is a bad word. It's a bad <laughs> word. You want to hear. Right. And so that's actually the hard part. It's it's really the you know, making it easy for the end user, like Amanda said. And look, as Salesforce, as a CRM, we're not trying to be the EHR. Right. We are the CRM on top of those legacy systems saying we are customer facing, we're patient facing. The EHRs are physician facing, nurse team facing, care team facing, right? 
we're the layer on top that says, hey, Scott, happy birthday. We see that you're turning 50. Here's some information about a colonoscopy. Dr. G wants you to come in and talk about it. You're eligible now. Let's, you know, let's discuss it. Or do you want to do it virtually, right? Click here. We're meant to make the engagement. And as you think about clinical trials, same thing. How do you recruit? And then how do you get people in? How do you get people when they fall off of compliancy? First of all, why? Is it transportation? Is it, you know, food? Is it payment? What, what is it, right? Because then right. only you can address it. And this, this idea that we are in the home, that's the other thing. You know, we now live in a healthcare ecosystem where care is increasingly moving in the home and our technologies will meet you where you're at, right? It's, it's healthcare from anywhere, whether it's, it, I call it clicks and bricks is the future, right? It's, it's, it's sometimes you're, you're having a baby. Yeah, you need to come in, right? right, right. <laughs> but, you know, just need a blood pressure check. Yeah, we can do that at home, right? You're checking your blood pressure at home. Let me know what the numbers are. How are you feeling, et cetera. So it's a different world. And I think it takes different technology to power the business of healthcare today. And CRM, our CRM is certainly one of those. Speaking of, uh, of generations, I understand the next generation of uh, healthcare provider might be here with us in the studio today. I certainly hope so. As an Indian mom, I won't be, I won't be ashamed if she becomes a doctor, right? Awesome, awesome. So, so Sonia's here, is she, re is she ready to come out? I think so, I think so. Awesome, awesome. Jacob, can you bring out our next guest? All right, we'd like to welcome our special guest, uh, Sonia. Sonia, welcome to the show, Trials with a Z. How are you doing tonight? Good, good. We're talking about uh, healthcare and also talking about uh, YouTube a little bit. Uh, this show is going on YouTube. I understand you're a, you're a YouTube fan yourself, as I am. Do you have a favorite YouTube show? Um, no. No, no favorites. No favorites. No favorites. Any any ambition to do any YouTubing yourself, or are you interested in healthcare? What are you interested in? I want to do YouTube, but I don't think I'll end up doing it. Oh, got it. Yeah, that happens. I I used to want to do a lot of things, but then ended up. <laughs> Ended up doing ended up doing this. What, what kind what of oh, ahead, what man. kind of uh, YouTube videos would you make? Probably make stuff. Oh, nice, nice. Also, like a crafts channel. Like crafts. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. 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 You make other jewelry or mainly bracelets? I make um, necklaces and uh, not necklaces. I make rings and I make earrings. Oh, nice, nice. What are they made? Of? What are the materials? What are they made out of? Um, beads and string and uh, like these clasps to hold it together. Oh, and nice. And like earring stuff. <laughs> oh, very cool. Maybe you can make one that says trials with a Z. Oh, that would be awesome. Do they ever have letters on them? Yeah, they can. Oh, so, so I, I don't know if you have room for special requests, but if you ever, if you ever have a room in the queue, I'd love to have a trials bracelet. We spell it with a Z, so we have a, we have a special spelling. So awesome. Awesome. What's uh, your pricing? Oh, custom orders. Yeah, how much is a custom order? <laughs> About like twelve or fifteen dollars. Oh, that sounds like a bargain for those materials. Awesome, awesome. I can't wait to get my trials bracelet. Um, so, all right, Sonia, thanks for being on trials. How do you spell trials? T R I A L Z. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Dr. G. Thank you, Sonia. We really appreciate having you today.